0: Please join me in Luke chapter 1. Let's talk together about the promise of a Savior. You and I have many different ways that we can communicate with each other. Among these ways is a telephone call. Now, this is not as prominent as it once was. Uh, Many people don't call much at all anymore. In fact, I've learned this, that, that I'll have to learn more about this, but there's an etiquette to calling now. Many people feel like you should text them first. So the text is, can I call you? And then a call. So I'm still learning that. But so we can still use a phone to communicate. We can text each other. We can message each other. All kinds of ways now we can video conference with each other. And even talking face to face. This is the beauty of gathering together as a church. I hope you've already had some wonderful times face to face with some friends here in the church. And I hope when we leave here in a few moments, you'll take full advantage to meet somebody new, talk to somebody face to face. We were designed for that. But how does God speak to us? Well, in the Old Testament, God spoke to his people through the prophets. And aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit has preserved these prophecies in the Old Testament of our Bibles? And then in the New Testament, God has spoken through his apostles. And I'm equally glad that in the New Testament, we have preserved the writings of the apostles in our scriptures. And God continues to speak to us through his word. In just a moment, I'll be reading scripture and God will be speaking to us through his word. Every day you have that same privilege, opening up your Bible, spending time with God, and he's going to speak to you as you read the scriptures. God also speaks to us through the Holy Spirit who indwells every believer in Christ, The Holy Spirit can convict you and prompt you, comfort you. He can guide you. Always he'll do that in harmony with what he's given us in the scripture. And God can even speak to us through our brothers and sisters in Christ as they give us biblically informed counsel. So God is speaking. But the ultimate way that God has spoken to humanity is in his son. We're in Luke 1, but Hebrews 1 talks about that, that God has spoken to us in various ways, but he has now spoken to us in his son. So let's consider together when God sent his son, what was he saying to us? One of the things that he was saying is this, this is what I'm like. As you look at Jesus, you can see what the father is like. In fact, Jesus told his disciples this in John 14, 9, whoever has seen me has seen me. The father. So what's God like? You look at Jesus. He's revealing to you what the father is like. What else is God saying in sending his son? I hope you don't miss this. He is saying, I love you. In these familiar stories, for many of you, as you think about Jesus coming and becoming one of us, I hope you don't miss that truth. It's coming loud and clear in this passage and all through the Christmas accounts. God loves us and he's telling you that. He's saying to you, I want to forgive you. I'm offering you how you can be adopted into my family forever. God is saying to us and sending his son, I want to give you new life. I want to save you from your sins. I want to save you from my judgment that's coming. I want to give you everlasting life. God is speaking and sending his son. And today you're going to have a chance to respond to what he has said. For some of you, this is going to be the first time you've understood what we call the gospel, the good news. Something's going to click today for you. You're going to hear this, and all of a sudden, my prayer is you're going to see, I need a Savior. I'm not okay apart from Jesus. I need to no longer know about him. I need to know him. And so I've been praying today that some of you will understand God's calling you out of the empty life that you have. And he's calling you into new life in Jesus Christ. But all of us, there's something for us to respond to today. But before God sent his son to us, he sent an angel to Mary to tell her the role she was going to play in the coming of the Savior. And so let's see now from Luke 1, verses 26 and following. First, let's see this. A great messenger. A great messenger. Verse 26. Verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Just in those two verses, we see that these are rich in details for us. First, we're told the time, we're told here in the sixth month this happened. So we go six months. What is what is that referring to? Well, because of what we read earlier in this chapter, when Gabriel came to Zechariah in the temple and this miraculous birth that's going to come to Zechariah and his wife in their elder years, we're told six months from that, six months from when the angel gave that news, this news is coming. We're told now the angel's name, his name here, we're told is Gabriel. And this is interesting because this is only one of two named angels we're told about in all of the Bible. The other one you might know is the Archangel Michael, but here is Gabriel. Interestingly, this is the same Gabriel who appeared centuries before with Daniel. In the book of Daniel, you can read about Gabriel there, but here he is now coming to Mary and this is interesting, what, what he told Zechariah earlier in this chapter about himself. We read this in Luke 1:19. He said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. So we're told the timing of this. We're told the name of this angel and we're told from where he has come. Gabriel is described as being sent from God and we're told to where he was sent he was sent to Nazareth in Galilee. What do we know about Nazareth? Well, we know it was no prominent city. It was not on any of the major roads, and many people would have just considered it an insignificant town. In fact, in John 146, this was Nathaniel's response when he learned that the Messiah was coming out of Nazareth. He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So we're told about this angel, his name, where he's coming from, where he went. But notably here, we're told to whom he was sent to a particular person. Back to verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. So catch this. God had sent Gabriel to a small seemingly insignificant town to a very young woman six months earlier the same angel was sent from god to a prominent city to jerusalem to a very old man uh, with a message to a very old couple here to a young virgin who was who was pledged to be married but was not yet married we're told that she was a virgin named mary a virgin who was betrothed to joseph who was of the house of david so what is a betrothal It's not a word we typically use. So it's very similar to what we would refer to as an engagement. But there in first century Jewish culture, it was a formal arrangement between a bride and a groom. And the betrothal period typically lasted for 12 months. So they would get engaged. They would be betrothed to each other. And then only 12 months later would he go in a procession to go get his bride and they would then begin to live together as husband and wife. They would have absolutely no physical intimacy until after they were actually married. In fact, in Matthew one we're told this in their particular case that Joseph knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. So no physical activity during their betrothal period. And in this case, because of the nature of this one coming, no physical contact, no physical activity until after the birth of Jesus. So what have we seen so far? We've seen a great messenger, but now let's focus on the great message of a great savior, a great message of a great savior. This takes us to verse 28. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. First of all, we read here of a personal word to Mary. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Earlier in this chapter, when this angel appeared to Zechariah in the temple, we're told that Zechariah was afraid in the presence of Gabriel. And I don't think that's a bad response either. What an awesome sight to have an angel in front of you. But by contrast, we have Mary here And she now has this encounter with this great messenger of God. And it says she's greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. She's amazed at what she's hearing, that she's considered a favored one by God. She's amazed at the grace that is being expressed toward her. This is exactly what we see in verse 30. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, That word there for favor is the same word that's often translated grace in our New Testament here. And that's exactly what she's experienced here. The grace of God. And then the big news drops here. Verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And she's told the name of this son. And you shall call his name Jesus. In the Greek language, Jesus is Jesus. His name, that's brought over from the Hebrew Joshua or Yeshua. And what matters most here is that that name means Savior. Unmistakably, God is sending us a Savior. So Mary's told his name, but three other things about Jesus that are noteworthy. She's told of his greatness. She's told of his divine nature. And she's told of his eternal reign. Back to our text, verse 32. And he will be great. You might want to underline the word great there. He will be great. And then this, and will be called the son of the most high. That's also worthy of underlining in your Bible. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. You might underline the word throne there. And this too, and he will reign over the house of Jacob. How about this word? Forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end there's never been anyone as great as this one described here. Nobody has ever been described truthfully like this one here in all of human history. So who is this baby that Mary will be carrying in her womb miraculously? This is the son of the most high. This explains all that God's doing to make this known. The prophecies of the past and the angels dispatched now, this is the Son of the Most High. And for Jesus, in a very unique sense. Now, you and I are very glad that through the grace of God, we can become the adopted sons and daughters of God. We can call him our Father. But Jesus can speak of that in a very unique sense. Jesus has eternally existed with the Father and the Spirit. He shares the same divine essence as the Father. He will come to earth as God, but now taking on human flesh. Jesus, by coming to earth by way of Mary's womb, will add humanity to his eternal deity. So behold with me his divine nature. He has always existed from eternity past as fully God, but now through a virgin, he will now also be fully man. So see his divine nature, but also his greatness in that we're told he will reign forever. Verse 33, his kingdom, there will be no end. He'll reign forever. So you and I, this is good for us to hear. We must pay attention to these words of Gabriel. They were good for Mary. They're good for us because this tells us more than our beautiful manger scenes tell us. This morning, preparing to come here looking over the message and I'm there at my kitchen counter and I I'm looking at our manger scene. I think the manger scene we've had for most of our married lives, it's the classic one. And I really, really like it. And I look there with these words ringing in my ears. I I look there at the beautiful manger scene and there is Jesus in a manger with the straw. So humble. And I'm grateful. It's a reminder. He literally came like that. He took on humanity to a humble couple. He came. But that doesn't tell the whole story. Gabriel's given you more of the story. Who is this one who came so humbly? Oh, he is the great one. He is the great savior. More than meets the eye when you look at the manger. So hear what Gabriel said about this Jesus so that you will trust in him. In fact, Gabriel's telling us things that really centuries before the prophets were telling us. Namely, the prophet Isaiah and Isaiah 714. We read this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So we learn about his miraculous conception centuries before through Isaiah, but also we learn of his unmatched greatness from Isaiah and Isaiah nine verses six and seven. In fact, we heard it read to us earlier. We just sang it to the Lord, but let's hear it in the scriptures. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. From then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. So, we've been talking about a great messenger and a great message of a great Savior. But now for Mary, a great question. She's got what we could call a great question. Verse 34 And Mary said to the angel, How will this be? since i am a virgin and gabriel gives her the answer you know gabriel was expecting that question obviously god knowing all things before he dispatched gabriel would have told him she's going to ask you how this is this possible and you're going to tell her this verse 35 and the angel answered her the holy spirit will come upon you and by the and, and the power of the most high will overshadow you Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. Now, when Mary asked this question, it's a great question. She's not doubting God. Now, sometimes in the scripture, we see people getting a message from God and they respond with doubt. But this was not the case here. She's just needing some clarity. It's a good question. And the angel is not offended by the question. Let's just pause here for application. There could be a time in your life when God is leading you to do something and you have, some, you have some questions for God. Now, you're not saying, I don't know if I'm going to do it or not. Now, you should have already settled that. Jesus is Lord. I'm going to do whatever he wants. But you might have a question. Now, in Mary's case, she had the messenger still standing there. The angel's there. Hey, could you, clear, could you clue me in on how is this possible since I'm a virgin? It was a, it was a good question. You and I won't typically have an angel there when God's leading us to do something. And we need some clarifying information. So what do we do? We can turn to the scriptures because God indeed does, as we've said already, speaks to us through the word of God. We turn to the scriptures and see what the word of God says to us. We also have access to God himself because of what Jesus did for us in the cross and the resurrection. We can go and now have access to God. We can talk to the Lord who's giving us this leadership. Lord, could you clarify this for me? I need a little more information We can even go to brothers and sisters in Christ, as we talked about, for biblically informed counsel. If you're young, you can go to your parents. If you're still living at home, could you give me some counsel? I'm I'm praying about something here. But Mary asked the angel standing there, and Gabriel's response is very helpful for her, but also still very helpful to us. What's he say? He tells her that this conception is gonna be miraculous. This is gonna be of the Holy Spirit, and it's gonna be through no physical contact whatsoever. So this child who will come from Mary will literally be the son of Mary and literally the son of the most high God. This child, did you notice the text says, will be holy. So unlike us, this child to be born won't have a sin nature like you and I have. Have you noticed that even though now if you're in Christ, you still wrestle with you? You still have a sin nature. We deal with Satan's temptations. We deal with society's temptations. But there's still something wrong with us. And we wish it weren't so. But we notice we fight against an inclination in ourselves to not always do what God wants us to do. Well, Jesus faced temptation, but he didn't have that inner drive to sin like you and I often face. He was holy. He was indeed fully human. But at the same time, fully divine. And this is of the utmost theological significance for your very soul. So the son of the most high became a man. Why? In order to die for sinful men and women. He took on flesh and blood as a baby. So that at the age of 33, he would give that flesh and blood on a cross to make atonement for all of our sins. A sinless one would come to die for sinners like us. No other man would do. This one had to be holy, completely holy, a perfect sacrifice for us. Now back to Gabriel's answer to Mary's question. He explains that, that the Holy Spirit's gonna overshadow you, but he also gives her an example of God doing another miracle for one of her relatives. Verse 36. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren for nothing will be impossible with God. Don't you love that statement? Nothing will be impossible with God. God is a God of infinite knowledge and wisdom and power. We know that our God is omniscient, knowing all things. He's omnipotent. He can do all things. Indeed, nothing will be impossible with God. And you and I need to know that, that sounds basic for us, but we have to know that and operate in light of that. So this miraculous conception, certainly not beyond God's ability. Think about our God, he is our creator. Think of the great mountains of the earth, God made them all. Think of the great oceans of our earth, God made them all in every living thing on this earth. In the night, when you look up at the sky, everything you see, And so many things that you can't see with your own eyes. God made all of that in distant space. Nothing is too difficult. Nothing's impossible for God. We think about the miracles recorded in the Bible for us. We do think about Abraham and Sarah. And miraculously, in their old age, they had Isaac. How about this one? God parting the Red Sea so the Israelites could come through to safety. That is a dramatic, amazing miracle. If God can part the waters and let his people go through on dry ground, and then cover up the advancing armies against them just by his word. How amazing is our God? There is nothing impossible with him. So a great messenger, a great message of a great savior, a great question for Mary and wonderful answers that help us. But now this, a great surrender to God's plan. Now we see a great surrender to God's plan. Verse 38, and Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is a perfect response to God. And that's worthy of our imitation in every area of our lives. You and I know, of course, that we're not to venerate Mary, as some do. We're certainly not to pray to Mary, as some do. Oh, but we should imitate Mary in this response of faith to this call of God in her life. This is the same response that we see in the apostles after Pentecost, their boldness to do and go and say whatever God led them to do. This should be our response as well. And so a believer today, like Mary, would you embrace your identity as a servant of the Lord? It's true. There are other ways you could describe your relationship with God. He's your father. You're his adopted beloved child. That's true. But along with that, you are a servant of the Lord. And what does a servant do? A servant, if he's a good servant, he will do everything that the Lord says. That's what disciples do. And every true child of God, we do it imperfectly. Oh, but we want to do it perfectly. God, I want to obey you every moment, every assignment, everything you ask me to do. I want to do that. I want to have this mentality. Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be me according to your word. So like Mary, embrace your identity today as a servant of God. And like Mary, trust in him. God, when he calls you to do something, it is typically something beyond you. It's typically something that you feel like, I I cannot do that on my own. And you're never intended to serve him on your own. Literally. Every Sunday, I spend time with the Lord before I come here. And in there, I'm not, I'm not reminding God of anything because he knows everything. But I'm just expressing them, I can't do this, but you can do this. I'm, I'm expressing them every, every Sunday and every day of my life. I'm weak. But you're strong and the things you're calling me to do, these are things only you can do. Again, we're reminded I can trust him. Why? Because nothing will be impossible with God. Our faith is always to be in him and not in ourselves in the first place. So like Mary, embrace your identity as a servant of God. And like Mary, trust in him. And this, like Mary, yield all of your plans to his. Think about Mary and Joseph with me. You know this this was not something they saw coming. They were betrothed to be married. I'm sure when they thought about what their married life would be like, it'd be like every other young couple. Or she was young. And, and so how, this is how life is going to be there for us in Nazareth. And then an angel of God interrupts her plans with God's plans. And as we saw, she responded beautifully to that. But remember Joseph. Joseph also blindsided by this. We're told by another gospel writer that That Joseph, when he heard that that Mary was pregnant, he was going to divorce her quietly, right? Because he knew he was no part of this. And it took God sending an angel to him to affirm, "No, this is of the Holy Spirit. This is all good. And Joseph gets on board with the plan. And so you and I want to have that same mentality. God, when you call me to do something, even if it is an interruption to what I thought I'd be doing, I just want to get on board with your plan. I think a perfect way that you and I could apply this in our lives today is for each of us today, I think even right now, to say something like this to the Lord. Lord, all I am is yours. Lord, my life is yours. My time is yours. My plans are yours. All my money, yours. All the dreams I have, they're all yours. If you're young here today, you should offer to God your youth. Lord, I give you my youth. I'm not going to wait till I'm older to maybe one day serve you all out. No, I give you my youth. If you're an adult, you say, I give you my adulthood, my, my living, my dying, it's all yours. And would you be so bold to present yourself like this to the Lord Lord, I invite you to interrupt my plans in favor of your plans? I mean, that's, that's what a servant does. And, and you say, I, I hope he doesn't ask me to do something. That's fine. <laughs> But your posture is still, but I'm yours, and I don't, I don't demand any claim on me. This life's yours. Just as you, you called Mary and Joseph into something they didn't foresee, God, I'm just, I'm just wide open, whatever you want. I'm happy to tell you I have a number of church members who are exploring ministry and missions and this is exciting because we often pray about this. Lord, would you call out more from this church into ministry and missions? Knowing that that means that some of these brothers and sisters will, will leave here likely and serve in other places, maybe in different places around the world. And so we're walking quietly with these couples and individuals through through that over some time. And, and in fact, I'm confident there are probably others also that I don't know about who are praying about what God might be calling them to do. But as we've even seen on the screen today, there are other ways to serve. God can call you into service right here in the body of Christ. In fact, we need you to. As everyone's gifted to serve in the body, you see these child care needs and ministry needs like that. We all need to be stepping forward. We need to learn to respond like Mary. Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. We should trust him. We should obey him. Even when the assignment's not easy. Think about Mary's assignment. It was a challenging one. You know people misunderstood her morality. We have the scriptures to explain all this, but there would be people not thinking well of Mary. And we know what an assignment to have her son be so hated during his time on earth and to see him brutally crucified. This was a difficult assignment. And yet she stepped toward it as the servant of the Lord. Recently, I was listening to a podcast, Amazon to the Himalayas. It's a podcast out of Southern Seminary. And lately they've been talking about missionary serving in what they call extreme places. And last week I listened to an interview and I thought, hey, I think I know that guy. Uh, They used a pseudonym in the podcast because of his security where he serves, but he's he's a medical doctor who serves in a part of Asia that's very unstable, very dangerous. And he talked about what it's like for himself to live there, along with his wife and his children, there in an extreme place for the gospel. But since I know this this young this this man, I had met with him when he was here for training some time ago, and had coffee with him on a couple of occasions, and I knew this that he went into medicine for the purpose of missions. So many people go into medicine, medicine and we're grateful for all of them because we need them, and, uh, and and many of them have a handsome salary for what they do in medicine here, but. But his calling was to go to the nations and he knew I can get to some places where others don't have access if I am a doctor. Went into medical school so that he could one day be where he is in, a, in an extreme place for the sake of the gospel. But do you hear in that man this same heart that Mary had? Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word, whatever you want. I'm following after you, even if it wasn't my plan. I just want to follow after your plan well today as i mentioned this is a day to respond for some of you as you've become aware today oh there's a great savior that must mean i need a great savior today would you stop trusting whatever you're trusting today would you call on jesus to save you to adopt you the bible says whoever will call upon the name of the lord will be saved and then all of us let's all be fully surrendered today like we've seen modeled in the text Lord, I'm your servant. I'll do whatever you want. I put no controls on my following you. You lead me wherever you want. Let's pray together. God, thank you for sending us a Savior. And thank you for including even the details of how you made the news known. And Lord, we've needed everything we've read today. Lord Jesus, to to read of your divine nature how you took on humanity to save us. We, we are delighted in that. And to see Mary and Joseph's example of just following you all in and trusting you. Thank you for this reminder, Lord, that there's nothing impossible with you. So I pray that you'll make us a faithful people for you. Lord, make us a responsive people, completely responsive to you. Lord, you've grown our faith today by reminding us that whatever you call us to do, you're more than adequate, for the calling you've given to us. Help us to step out boldly right here in the body, but Lord, even to the ends of the earth. We pray in the name of Jesus, amen.